Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Wasn't that worship awesome this morning? Aren't you thankful we have a church that passionately worships God? And uh, if you don't know me, my name's Joel. I have been a part of our church for a long time now, but I've been living in Africa, South Africa for the last few years. I was actually in, Sam was, gave quick mention, but I was in, living in South Africa and I went on a ministry trip to America uh, in, in late February, March, and then kind of as I was about to fly back to Africa, South Africa closed their borders to people in America, so I wasn't able to get back, so I flew here and then had to quickly fly my wife and baby from South Africa to here, and they almost couldn't get on the plane. It was a real big, real stressful 72 hours. I was in the air not knowing if they were going to get out of the country, but thank God they did. And then we planned on being here for about three and a half weeks, and it's, that was in March, so now we, we've been stuck here for a while. Um, on, literally stuck on an island um, and not allowed to leave. That's the strangest part for me. I felt claustrophobic, like I'm not, a, like, even if I want to go, I'm not allowed. Uh, anyway, that's me. It's the longest time I've not been on an airplane in like six years, so I'm having, I have like a love-hate relationship with flying anyway, like I hate it until I'm not doing it, then I'm like, oh, get me in an airport, give me like a 24-hour layover, I don't care, I just want to, anyway, that's where we are, and uh, the good news is, is that we're actually going to leave soon, but we're going to be moving to Nashville, Tennessee, uh, which is going to be awesome to go help out with our City Point Church over there in Nashville. So uh, I'll have to go pray for a lot of COVID patients, because they have a lot of cases, that was what that joke was referring to. Um, I think more in like yesterday than we've had the whole time, so <laughs> maybe that might be a mild exaggeration, but they've got a lot. Let's get to the Bible. Uh, the, the, we're going to uh, come and, and we, we've stepped into a season as a church here called Purpose Driven Life. And the, the reality is, is that we are called to live life on purpose and for a purpose. Uh, my father-in-law tells me all the time, he's like, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. And, you know, we've got to make purposeful decisions in life. We've got to be purposeful people. We don't just float around going with every wind of whatever. We need to be living our lives on purpose and for a purpose. And the purpose of a believer is to advance the kingdom of God. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Our purpose is not to just exist and one day get to heaven. We have to live life on purpose and for a purpose. And so this morning, I want to bring a message uh, that I have called Active Christianity, and I want to go through four actions of advancing the gospel, four actions of advancement. And if you have your Bibles, you can open them to the book of, uh, let's read in Ephesians first, Ephesians chapter 10, and then I'm going to read Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, and then we're going to go home. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Sorry, I shouldn't try and be funny. It's not a... It is not a skill of mine. It only happens accidentally. And then whenever I try, it doesn't work. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10. I'm going to read this part out of the Passion Translation. This is what it says. It says, Now, my beloved ones, 
I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Verse 11, put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. 12 says, your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Sounds good. Matthew 16, 17 in the NIV. Says Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. This is just where Jesus had asked Peter, Who do you say that I am? And he said, You are Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon Peter, of Jonah, uh, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Verse 18, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter, he says, Jesus, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. He says, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want to quickly clarify, there's people that teach that the Peter is the rock of the church and that is not true. The rock of the Christian church is that the revelation of Christ and Him crucified, that Jesus is the Son of God who descended to earth to save sinful people, that He is who He says that is. The revelation, the rock that Christ is going to build His church on is on the revelation that He is who He says that He is, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Amen. And it says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I, I, you know, we are called to advance God's kingdom. You know, we're, we're not called to be on the back foot, okay? We're called to be on the front foot, pushing forward. That's why our vision as a church is to unmistakably influence our world for good and for God. People get confused and think we're supposed to be timid, quiet people. Can I tell you, if you carry the hope of the world, it's very selfish to sit back and be timid and quiet about it. Because we, we have a revelation, we have an understanding that Christ is the hope of humanity. You heard the testimony. He's the hope to the broken family. He's healing to the sick and, and traumatized. He is the one who gives life to those who are broken, peace to those who are in chaos. We carry this, and there's a world, if you don't know, there's a huge wrestle going on. And it's not with me and Pastor Sam. There is a wrestle that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of darkness, of demon gods, evil spirits who have this world in bondage. And if I have the key to unlock somebody out of their prison cell, I don't want to sit back on the back foot and just say, well, I don't want to get involved. We have the hope and we are to advance God's kingdom wherever we go. Amen. It's the responsibility of believers, not just of pastors. 
I, you know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is of a guy called Stephen. There was the apostles and they said, hey, look, we don't have time for everyday duties. We need to spend time in the word of God in praying so that we can do what we need to do. And they, they went and appointed lay people, for lack of a better term, people who weren't apostles to look after the day-to-day -day affairs. And the first recorded martyr we have in the Bible was not the apostle Paul. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't Matthew. It was a guy called Stephen. And Stephen was set aside to help with the day-to-day -day activities, yet he was full of the Word of God, filled with the Spirit of God, performed signs and wonders, and preached against the system of the day, the reality of Christ and Him crucified. He was actively advancing God's kingdom, and he was killed for it. The responsibility of advancing God's kingdom is not limited to a few. It's limited to those who are willing to take up the call and say, this cause is worth giving my life for. Christianity is under fire. It's not like this big like Roman emperor, like we're going to cut all your heads off if you profess Christ. But we are under fire from all different angles. The things that we stand for, the morality that we live by, the things that we believe. Man, it's, we are under pressure and it's going to be a time. We're stepping into a time where you need to decide what you believe. You need, if, if you don't live by conviction, then you'll live by people's opinions. And if you live by people's opinions, you're going to be tossed to and fro with every loud, opinionated person out there. The good thing about being a Christ follower is there's a lot of preachers with opinions, but if it doesn't line up with the Scripture, then don't worry about their opinion. Live by conviction, and conviction will come by being found in the Word of God that is the rock for your faith, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the firm foundation of the church of Jesus Christ. And when the church rises, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Come on, if you love Jesus this morning, give him some praise. The Achilles heel of the modern day Christian is our insatiable desire to be loved and accepted by the world. Yes, ma'am. The Achilles heel of the modern day Christian is our insatiable desire to be loved and accepted by the world. We are saved out of the world system, out of the system of the world, out of the world of darkness and bondage and brokenness, and brought into His glorious light. Our job is not to be loved by the world. Our job is to lay down our lives and love the world. And that doesn't always mean they'll like what we have to say. Because we have convictions, we are bigots. Because we have convictions, we are racist. Because we, they'll throw everything at us because we live according to Scripture that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, no male nor female, no black nor red, yellow or white. There are only those followers of Jesus Christ. And the moment you step out of that truth, you step into the wisdom of the world and you war against the wisdom of God. Stop it. Live by the Scripture. Don't get caught up in all the swirly system. Come on, we are believers. We follow Christ and Him crucified. Stop trying to be loved by the world and let's actually love the world enough to lay down our lives and not live by their opinions, live by conviction so they might meet Him. Amen. Point number one this morning of active Christianity. Proclamation. Preach the gospel. Acts 1, chapter 8 says, but you will receive power. It's dunamis power. It speaks of miraculous power. You will receive miraculous power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to shake in the corner. 
You will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be a witness of Jesus. If when you receive the miraculous power of the Spirit on your life, it's for a purpose, to be a witness of Jesus Christ, to be a witness into all this. We will receive power to be a witness of the reality of Christ and Him crucified. Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Jesus commissioned us to go and preach. Now, the word preach speaks of proclamation. It speaks to announce, to herald, to announce publicly the good news of Jesus Christ. We are called to publicly announce. That's why we preach the gospel from a platform. That's why we preach it on our social media platforms. That's why we publicly announce the reality of Christ and Him crucified because we were commissioned to do it. I remember being in New Zealand and saw some guys preaching on the street corners. And if you've ever watched that recently, it seems mildly ineffective. But I I was watching them and I saw a girl sitting on a bench. So I went and sat next to her and I said, what do you think of these guys? And she just said, I love it. She goes, I come sit here every Friday night and I hear them preach and no one listens, but I love listening to them. We're not called to live for immediate fruit. We're called to believe and obey the gospel. Jesus commissioned us to proclaim, to publicly announce the good news of Jesus Christ. What is the good news? It's the arrival of God's kingdom. The good news is that people are sinful, broken, and depraved. God saw us and said, I'm going to send my son Jesus to save them. So if people don't recognize they're in a sinful state of being, they'll never recognize their need for a Savior. We are called to publicly announce that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Christ came to say, you know, Jesus can only save sinners. He he can't save righteous people, people who do good things, people who are self-righteous. He can't save. He can only save those who are humble enough to say, Lord, I see my mistake and I choose you to save me. And we are called to herald to the world the reality of Jesus. It doesn't say, but if they deny him, if they don't like what you say, stop doing it. It says, go and preach the gospel to all creation. And he says, there'll be two sorts of people. Those who believe will be saved and those who reject him will be condemned. You see, the thing about good news is its value often comes because there's bad news. It's like the reason we desire peace is because we know chaos. We know fear. The reason that we desire joy is because we know sorrow. We know pain. You know, the, the, the weight and, and the goodness of grace is only truly realized when you understand the gravity of sin. That you live a sinful life separate from God. Your end is destruction. The gospel tells us clearly that those who don't believe will be condemned, but those who do believe will not perish but have everlasting life. The gravity of sin makes us realize the depth of grace that God could find us wherever we are, whatever we're doing, and He can save us. We are called to, number one, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. You, you, your personality, you might think, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to publicly herald anything. 
And, and I get it, but the truth is we're called to do it. So if you're like someone who's like, I, you know, I can't stand on a street corner. I'd get behind people and churches that publicly could proclaim the gospel. Don't feel like you have to be forced into being this big, loudmouth preachers. But get behind, realize that that's what we're called to do. You know one of the reasons in Africa that evangelists go to Africa and they all start churches and stop evangelizing because they can't afford to evangelize because they don't have any money. But imagine we could get behind people that would preach the gospel wherever they go, even if we can't. That's why we sow into kingdom advances. That's why we sow into this church. That's why we give money, not just to have it in-house, but to advance the kingdom. We're called to sow into God's family so that those with specific desires and offices and gifts can go and do what we're all called to do. Amen. Number one, proclamation, preach the gospel. Number two is multiplication, discipleship. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. God's not just looking for powerful meetings. He's looking for a powerful movement. Because meetings can be momentary, but a movement can be revolutionary. We are called to multiply the kingdom of God, to make disciples. And can I tell you this? Discipleship is a real overthought term. The truth is discipleship is teaching somebody what you know about what Christ taught you. It's a life transaction. And can I, discipleship, is intentional. Okay, discipleship is best done in relationship, but relationship is not discipleship. That we, we, <laughs> you're not the boss. I don't have to. <laughs> discipleship is best done in relationship. But relationship is not discipleship. Discipleship is an intentional giving of oneself to another to teach them into what everything that Jesus has taught you. Can I, you know, we need to make sure, that's why we have small groups, that's why we have discipleship groups beyond just a Sunday service because you can grow here and you can grow there and there's more time set aside in those environments for conversations, for questions. And can I tell you, we are all called to make disciples intentional followers of Jesus. That's like with the little duckling. I mean, I don't want to be called a duckling, but I guess that's what it is. Like, would you humble yourself to be a duckling? Would you humble yourself to find someone who can teach you more than you know so you can grow and teach somebody else more than they know so they can grow? Would we multiply the kingdom of God? And it's best done through relationship. Online is good, guys, but can I tell you, discipleship is a life transaction. When I give myself to that person that they may become all that God's called them to be. We're called to multiply That means you don't just stay in your group, you grow to a point where you can start a group so that they could grow and they would start a group, that we would teach each other. And can I tell you, you're like, I can't teach someone about the Bible. The best way to be able to teach somebody is to know you have to teach them so that you do the work so you can teach them. Like, you know, 
it's important that we don't just spend time in the Word of God to preach a sermon. But can I tell you, when I need to preach a sermon, I spend a lot of time in the Word of God, and I learn a lot. I begin, and I also find more questions. Because every time you want to teach someone something, you're like, oh, but what about that? And so you have to study, and it leads you to a place of learning. Come on, we, we live in a very mixed up, crazy world. The Word of God is a light to our path, and it's a lamp to our feet. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. You need that light to keep on the narrow path, okay? Be a Bible-believing Christian who knows the Word of God, who learns the Word of God so you can teach somebody. We are all called to make disciples of all nations. Amen. Amen. Number two, multiplication. Church growth starts with evangelism, but it's sustained through discipleship. Preach the gospel, make disciples. It's two sides of the same coin. One is not more valuable than the other. Together is where the value is truly applied. Preach the gospel, evangelism, make disciples, multiplication, okay? Number three is demonstration. Matthew 16, 16. Simon Peter, uh, sorry, Jesus saying, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. Jesus is saying, go and preach the gospel of my kingdom and show them its reality by demonstrating what my kingdom looks like. People, you know, often say, Joel, I think you talk about healing too much. The gospel's not all about healing. And my response is, I absolutely agree. My, the gospel's all about Jesus, who was all about healing. Who everywhere he went, it says he healed the sick, he cast out demons, he raised the dead. It was part of Jesus' ministry, and if it was important enough for him, it's important enough for me. The power of God did not die with the apostles because it never started with the apostles. It's in the power and the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and he rests upon us. And you shall receive miraculous power to be a witness of God's kingdom. And God himself said, as you go, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, demonstrate my kingdom so the world would see that I'm not just all talk, but I am a real God. My kingdom is within reach. Demons need to be cast out and they're everywhere. Just looking for any at the moment. People need healing. You say, yeah, but sometimes people don't get healed. Just keep praying. Why don't they get healed? Just keep praying. If you believe the scripture, don't look for a way to justify it to mankind. Just keep looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, and say, God, your word says so. I'm going to live. It's not naive. It's called living by faith. Faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not yet seen. The more people I pray for, the more miracles happen. And every time I pull back when someone doesn't get healed, less people get healed. It doesn't always make sense. I understand there are big questions, but don't let them cripple you. Don't let the opinions of the world cripple you. There are so many people who have so many things to say, but their opinion won't change your life. We're called by God for such a time as this to preach the gospel, make disciples, and demonstrate God's kingdom. 
people, so many people want to counsel people instead of driving the demon out so they can counsel them. And I know that sounds like, oh, careful. Can I tell you, I've tried counseling people, and what happens is you end up counseling a demon. Because their mind is veiled, their eyes are closed. I'm not saying every person who needs counseling has a demon, careful. But I'm saying you need to understand, to learn and grow through discipleship, to function in discernment so you know when it's time to remove the demon so you can counsel the person. Because so often that person wants to be free, but they're plagued by the demonic force. And so when they're with you, they're crying out. They go home and they're plagued and they can't help themselves. So they need somebody who believes the Bible to help them out, to demonstrate that demons flee in the name of Jesus. C.S. Lewis said the greatest lie the devil ever told the world is that he doesn't exist. And we've so often swallowed that pill and there are people being tormented while believers walk by not sure what to do. It's really simple. Understand your authority. Tell it where to go and get it out. If it doesn't go, try again. If it doesn't go, go get some help and then do it together. Sometimes it's a bit of a wrestle. Come to Africa and we'll have a look. Again, not, not be, no, I'm not going to say that. Sorry. Someone said something very silly to me. I'm going to tell you now. You can't do that and not say what you were thinking. I was preaching in a church in America and I said a similar thing. I was like, look, in Africa, the demons, like there's so much demonic stuff going on. And I was just explaining it. And she wrote a big letter after the meeting saying, oh, so you saying black people have worse demons than white people. What a moron. <laughs> that's when you know you've subjected yourself to the wisdom of the world. When you can't even hear the truth of the gospel without finding some hidden reason behind what was said. What a load of garbage. All it is is saying in that environment, these guys are dealing with direct witchcraft, sacrificing animals to ancestral gods, engaging in... Can I tell you, some of the biggest demons I've seen are in America. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But that's true. We, we have to understand, we've got to demonstrate God's kingdom. Demonstrate His goodness. Demonstrate to the world that we have a God who came to save sinful people and give them brand new life to come and heal those who are sick and oppressed by the devil. It's important to Jesus. It should be important to us. If you believe it this morning, somebody tell Jesus you love Him. Sickness is to the body what sin is to the soul, and both were paid for by the blood of Jesus. And number four this morning is this domination. Gong, 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 gong. Domination. It's the scripture we started with in Matthew chapter 16, verses 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. The spirit of the world is out there masquerading as radical liberalism, slithering around the church, offering a bunch of people a piece of fruit, and sadly many Christians are taking a bite. Do not offer, do not receive what the world is offering you based on the enticing words they might give you. Yeah. G, G, this, we're called to advance God's kingdom. 
And it says, on this rock, on the revelation of Christ and Him crucified, on the gospel of Jesus Christ, I will build my church, Jesus says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Firstly, I don't believe He's just saying, I'm going to build my church in numeric ways. Although I believe we are to build the church in numeric, I believe he's going to build his church on the foundation of Christ. He's going to build them in integrity. He's going to build them in courage. He's going to build them in the word of God. He's going to build them in wisdom and love and strength so that we can genuinely be a force to be reckoned with. He's going to build his church broad and deep. He's going to build his church and the gates of hell. You and I are the church. We must all be aware of this. One of my most frustrating statements of all of COVID Well, you know, church isn't a building. Obviously. Like, who thinks, like, this is called a church, but we know the church is the people of God. And there's so many people, every time you're like, I can't wait for church. Well, you know, church isn't actually a building. Thank you. Thank you, scholar. Appreciate that you did Bible college to learn that. However, we are the church, okay? But we like to gather. You know why? Because the Bible tells us we're supposed to gather. Do not neglect the gathering of the saints. He's going to build his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And for a long time, my understanding, you know, I was like, cool, Christ's going to build his church. We're going to be strong. We're going to be powerful. And we're going to hide behind our gates. And Satan can do whatever he wants. But the, Christ, the church of Christ, we're going to stand strong. And I had this picture that we were the one behind the gate. And then I was rereading and I'm asking God and showing me and I, he's just showed me a little bit more accurately what it said, which is right there when you look back, but whatever. And it says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Satan's hiding behind his gates. He has territory. And Christ is going to build his church and the forceful advancement of God's kingdom will not be stopped by a gate that's protecting Satan and his hordes of hell. You ever watched Lord of the Rings? The the, the one about the two towers? And now this kind of works except the good guys were behind the wall in this story. But they go, their last stand is behind that wall. They sit there and they have this wall and... The the evil armies are coming to get, that's their last stand. Can I tell you, Satan's on his last stand. That's why we believe in advancing God's kingdom. That's why we buy buildings. That's why we plant churches. That's why we give in to non-profit organizations. That's why we have child cares. That's why we sow into missions in Cambodia. It's why we sow into missions in Africa because we are not a stagnant church. The Bible tells us in Joshua, wherever the soles of our feet tread, he has given us this land. We are to forcibly advance the kingdom of God and the gates of hell will not be able to withstand the forceful advancement of God's kingdom believers who preach the gospel, make disciples, demonstrate his kingdom and we will dominate for God's kingdom purposes. Darkness may come, but we will arise, says the Lord. We are, if you have peace with God, you can walk through a living hell and be okay. The talk of the town these days is government. Can I tell you, I have preferred governments, but these guys were functioning under the rule of a dictator called Caesar, and they functioned and they flourished. 
doesn't mean we won't have political preferences. It means no matter the political atmosphere, we're going to live by the word and we will obey the laws of the land unless it goes against God's kingdom, unless it goes against God's word and what he's commissioned us to do or not to do, then we will advance God's kingdom regardless of what people have to say. Because you tell me, who should we obey, God or man? And if you fear man, you won't obey God. But if you, if you fear God, then you can truly love men by showing them the reality of Christ and Him crucified. We are called to actively advance the kingdom of God. And we cannot do it alone. One of my most frustrating things of this era is how quickly other Christians are happy to pull down another Christian to appease an onlooker. We're not called to reach the world by slaying our brother. We're called to link arms with our brothers to reach the world. We're not looking for perfect agreement, but we are looking for passionate connection. The world will know who we are by the love that we have one to another. Your love for each other should be greater than your love for the world. Because we are the blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Our, Our loyalty is to Christ and His church. Our mission is the world. We are called to stand together in unity, in love, so we can show the world who we are, that they might see that we have something that they might want. That we live by conviction and not by opinion. Every time you water down your conviction to appease a non-believer, all you're doing is showing them that you don't have a real conviction. Come on, it's time for us to rise and stand. We are the church of Jesus Christ, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Come on, if you believe it this morning, give Jesus some praise. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.